Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. If there's one thing I love, it's hearing reviews from my Radiant tribe. It is so fun to read your reviews over on the podcast app. And Rachel wrote, I love Radiant. Their messages, which range everywhere from relationships to spirituality, are always refreshing and whole. These podcasts are the same, connecting people through conversations and amazing thoughts. I cherish their positivity and truth. Rachel, you made my day. And guess what? When you guys leave a review, you are helping the Radiant podcast get discovered by new listeners. And we always want to invite more people to our radiant party and so please take 30 seconds pause your podcast right now head on over to the podcast app and leave a review it's super simple if you just search the radiant podcast it'll have in the main page you know an opportunity for you to leave a review and again it really helps this podcast get discovered by new listeners and we want to put these conversation in as many hands as possible so that we're empowering and equipping more women to step into their dreams So I would love to see what you have to say over in the podcast app on the review section. Also, be sure to tag myself at Kels Chapman and our guests in your Instagram stories by screenshotting the episode you're listening to and tagging us. It really helps us to see who's listening. We love engaging with you. And I'll be sure to screenshot that and tag you and share it in my stories because I love getting to interact with my people, encourage and uplift one another. And it makes my day to be able to do that over on Instagram. So screenshot the episode and tag me over there and I will be resharing your tags and posts as well. So without further ado, let's dive into this podcast. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Hey guys, I am so excited to have my new friend Elle Druin joining us today. Elle is the founder of the Styled Stock Society and human behind Mochi in the City. After several years working as the director of marketing and digital strategy for e-commerce businesses, Elle launched her own business to help focus on helping other women build brands that are as profitable as they are pretty. Elle currently runs the Styled Stock Society, a stylish stock photography membership for female entrepreneurs, as well as works as a commercial photographer for beauty and lifestyle brands. Elle's dog Mochi is a three-year-old multi-poo model and influencer with over 100,000 followers. Elle and Mochi have been featured on Entrepreneur, Refinery29, The Today Show, and a number of other media outlets. They've collaborated with brands like ABC, American Express, Disney, Google, and the Ritz-Carlton, and also use their platform to raise awareness for organizations like the Humane Society. Guys, you are going to love L. This conversation is jam-packed with wisdom and fun, and I know you are going to love it. So I can't wait to introduce you guys to her. She became a fast friend of mine. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, L. Hey, Kelsey. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. It is so good to have you. I have been a fan of everything you do, everything you do with the Styled Stock Society for a while. I totally have, you know, been following along with you. So I am really excited to have you on the podcast when we kind of connected for this collaboration. It was an easy yes. 
Well, I'm so glad to chat with you, and especially because I realized just recently that you're also from Tennessee. <gasps> yes. Where are you from? So I actually, I grew up in Memphis. Um, okay. I like lived in the suburbs of Memphis for, you know, the first 18 years of my life before I moved to D.C. for college, and then now I live in New York. Oh, so fun. I'm from Murfreesboro, but I like, I mostly tell people Nashville just because most people know where that actually is. <laughs> but I, I love Memphis. That's awesome. I don't meet fellow Southerners that often, especially who now live in New York City. So anyways, I would love for you to get started and just share who you are, what you do. I know our listeners are going to go crazy because we have so many female entrepreneurs, so they can totally benefit by what you offer the world. Yeah. So I am a product stylist and brand photographer for female entrepreneurs. Um, I do custom brand photography for female entrepreneurs and also run the Styled Stock Society, which is a stock membership for female entrepreneurs. And in my free time, I am a crazy dog mom to my pup Mochi and the city who happens to be kind of famous on Instagram. I love it. So, okay. So tell, I would love to hear how you got started in this space, styling photography for female entrepreneurs. And then we're also, of course, going to talk about Mochi, Um, but just kind of, I would love for you to elaborate you know, how you got started. Um, Did you go to school for photography? You mentioned you went to school in DC. I would love for you to kind of tell us it all. Yeah. So totally unrelated to anything that I've studied. I am an accidental photographer, like totally (laughs) accidental. Um, So my like educational background is actually in business and finance. And I started my career in finance. Um, I worked for Swiss Bank right out of college. I was a financial advisor And um, long story short, working in finance, like when the market crashed, was not the most fun profession. Um, I ended up starting a blog as a creative outlet. And kind of fast forward a few years, the blog gave me an opportunity to move to New York for a job in marketing with a fashion brand. And after working in marketing for a few years, I realized that I really just wanted to be my own boss. I started my own marketing consulting business, uh, mainly working with other female business owners to help them grow their presence online. And as I got into consulting and I launched some online courses, and I just realized that I missed the idea of having a recurring income stream. I wanted some sort of stability in my business. And um, I didn't really know what I wanted to create or what I wanted to do to create that recurring income stream. So I took a look at what people were coming to me for. So I, I had consulting clients and I had people who were in my courses and I had a whole ton of people that I had built an audience with online um, who were on my email list. And so I really went through all of my um, opt-in forms and kind of did an inventory to figure out like, okay, what is it that people are are signing up for? What are people actually coming to me for? And kind of totally as a surprise to myself, I realized that in a two month period, I had over a thousand people download these free stock photos for me. And I wasn't a photographer at the time. Um, I had been a marketing consultant, but I had taken some photos um, for my own brand and for my previous clients when I had worked in marketing. And so like, I wasn't completely new to working a camera, but I definitely didn't consider myself a photographer. And I just had these free photos as an opt-in that people could download to get on my email list. And so I thought, okay, what if 
I were to take more photos for people, would they want them? Um, would this be something that people would pay me for on a recurring basis? And when I really thought about it, a lot of the work that I was doing with people, with helping them grow their Instagram or grow their online presence, I realized that people need images for everything. You need images for your website and your blog and your social media. And a lot of the times, you know, I'd be giving people advice on things like how to create a cohesive visual presence. But the thing that fell short was actually like having the content to do that with because people are trying to figure out, you know, how do I DIY my own photography? Or, you know, even if I'm at the point of my business where I can spend some money on photography, most people can't afford to hire a full-time photographer in the first couple years of their business. Absolutely. Um, so I just pitched um, the people that were on my email list that had downloaded those free photos. Like, Hey, if I created a subscription um, where I'd give you 30, photos a month. Um, is this something that you would pay for? And I had like a, a pre-launch offer that I just kind of put it out there in the world and was like, Hey, would you pay me for this? And I had over 70 people sign up in the first 48 hours. So wow. I was like, okay, this is something that people want, I guess. Um, and I kind of thought that maybe my first offer was too low. Maybe it just like sounded really appealing. And so maybe, um, that's why people wanted it, but they didn't really want the photos. I was like sort of trying to convince myself that this is a good idea. And so I was like, okay, what if I double the price? Like will people still sign up for it. So, um, I double the price during the actual launch period. And so in the first month or so, um, of the membership, I launched to essentially 3000 people and I had 150 members sign up immediately. Wow. Did you expect that in any way? No, not at all. Because and at the time, you... I didn't, I wasn't a photographer. Like, I, I would have never called myself a photographer. I literally have the email I sent these people where I said, I am not a photographer, <laughs> but I can take pictures. Um, and I wasn't planning on being a photographer. I just thought this would be a side income stream that I could do along with courses and consulting and the other stuff I was doing in my business. And... I I didn't even like have the photos to give people when I sent out the first email. I was like, I'll take them if people buy this. But um, I really wanted to kind of pre-sell the idea and see if people would actually pay for it before really investing in um, investing in, in actually taking the photos, investing in any sort of, like I didn't have a website or a sales page or anything. I basically just had a link where people could check out to buy the photos. Wow, that's amazing. And were you part of any sort of group program or education or coaching as you launched this or did you just do it? I just did it. I I had been, um, you know, working in marketing for a few years at this point. And uh, one of the things that I had told a lot of my clients over and over is start before you're ready, just put it out there, make sure that you can validate your idea and see if people actually are willing to invest in it. And then if they are, just do it. And so I kind of had done a bunch of other things. And I was like, well, there's no one telling me that I can't do this. Um, so I'm going to put it out there in the world and see if people are interested. And they were. Wow, that is amazing. So what has happened since then? Tell me about like the evolution of Styled Stock Society and how that has changed and evolved and what you've learned along the way. 
Yeah, so it has actually changed a lot since the beginning. Um, I have obviously spent a lot more time um, learning about photography and getting better at photography. And um, as you know, as I've grown more experience, I think the content and the photos have gotten better, and I've grown my membership, and I've also raised some prices. So, kind of a lot of things have changed in the last um, eighteen months, two years. Um, the Style Stock Society is not quite two years old at this point, but I went from kind of a, what I would say like a subscription box membership type thing where I was giving people 30 photos a month. Um, you know, you didn't really have a say in what those photos were. It was just like, there's feminine stock photos and you're going to get them once a month and that'll be it to what I would say is more like a, a Netflix model. Um, and so about a year into the Style Stock Society, I created an actual membership site where um, it's it's more of a library of photos that are broken down to different collections. Instead of just doing 30 photos a month, you actually get access to over, um, it's around 1,500 stock photos at this point in time. And it's all membership-based, so you're wow. never paying per, you're not even paying a bundle of photos, you're literally getting access to everything. That is amazing and a heck of a deal. So what have been some of the most exciting parts of running the Styled Stock Society and um, what have been some of the hardest parts along the way? In terms of being exciting, I think that any time I get the opportunity to create for my members, uh, that's really like my sweet spot. The thing that I've like really found that I love doing is creating photos for people that are actually helping them grow their businesses um, so that they don't have to think about like, what am I going to post on Instagram? That they just have a library of photos that work with their brand that they can pull from on a regular basis. And it's been exciting to see kind of the different types of businesses that my members have. So at first I thought, um, most of my photos were kind of just styled like flat lays and desktops and things that I thought would be appropriate for my business when I was working in marketing or as a consultant. And then I realized that there's people who are, um, you know, maybe they're health coaches or graphic designers or wedding planners even who need images for their business. And I like didn't even think about like all the different types of industries that could benefit from feminine styled stock photos. Um, and so just being able to see like, who are the people that are actually setting up and what are the things that they want in their photos? And how can I, um, you know, take photos that help them, but are also things that that I want to see and that um, creatively will push me to get even better at photography has been really the most exciting part, just like all the collections that we create. And then in terms of challenges, I think that I didn't go into creating the Stout Stock Society membership um, with much of a plan. And so I, I kind of pitched the idea. I got my initial members. I knew they were pretty much locked in for like a year, I think is what my like original membership option was. And then I didn't really think about like, okay, what am I doing to get members on a regular basis? And um, not just what am I doing to get members, but also how am I keeping them? So um, I didn't really think about 
thinking about churn rate or um, even just like the, the average like value of a member over time. So getting really into the nitty gritty numbers of running a recurring membership has been challenging, but also very interesting to me because of my background in marketing. Like I'm such a numbers nerd. It's, it becomes sort of a game to figure out like, okay, what are people, you know, what are the photos that they're downloading the most? What are the types of memberships that um, people are gravitating? towards more. One of the things that we introduced in the last couple months is actually a lifetime membership. So before I had monthly, quarterly, and an annual plan. And one of the things that I got in terms of feedback from my members was, you know, like, I, I feel like there's value in this, but paying a monthly or annual fee, um, you know, it would sort of be nice if I could just like pay one time. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a higher price point than um, if you're paying monthly. But for the people who were paying monthly, who were going to, you know, be members for like a year or two, it just makes sense to kind of have that investment up front and then know that whatever collections we create in the future, they get access to and they never have to pay again. Absolutely. I mean, I have my eye on that one. So I think that's a great option because we always need photos always 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 so i love that you know i could join once and have forever access to whatever you create i mean i just think that's amazing so um what are some of the coolest placements you've seen your photos go in your journey because i mean i think that's just an obvious question of it has to be fun to see where your photos end up I seriously get excited every time I see them. And I think like the place I probably see them the most is on Instagram, just because I'll be scrolling and then I'll realize that people, people I didn't even know were members that I follow on Instagram, like will like post one of my photos and I'm like, oh, hey, that's, that's my photo. Like <laughs> I took that. That's cool. Yeah. That is awesome. So how do you stay, how do you stay connected with a community that you've built in managing this membership program? I know that. So many of our listeners want to create something of value and have influence, but staying connected can feel overwhelming. I know it can feel overwhelming to me to answer all the questions and the emails and make each and every customer feel loved. What have you learned about that connectedness and customer service along the way? Yeah, I think customer service is so important um, when you have any sort of membership type program. And I am lucky that I have a membership coordinator who handles a lot of the customer service aspects for me at this point. Um, but when life first started out, I realized that, you know, even though I had this recurring income stream where I was only creating content like once a month to provide to my members, there was a lot of other things that came into managing um, in terms of answering questions and um, just like fielding various support requests or, you know, people who didn't read the terms of service or <laughs> just sort of thing. So I think that as much as you can have, you know, have your FAQs on your page, have the terms of service very clearly laid out and um, have the information available to people. But then also um, for us, it's been kind of having canned responses or like templates for the types of requests we get to make sure that, you know, we're not spending a lot of time um, answering the same question over and over again, um, and that we can spend the time on actually cultivating relationships with people um, and not just, you know, kind of dealing with like the small support requests. Girl, I feel you. I'm trying to create canned responses as we speak because, you know, it's just a way we can be more efficient and give the more detailed questions that aren't always generic 
attention and already have a response for the simple questions that we get over and over again. So I love hearing any way we can make customer service better for service-based businesses. Um, What has been one of the biggest learning curves for you and being a female entrepreneur? Learning, I mean, so it's a learning curve, but it's also, I think, kind of a mindset thing and just like a personal um, a personal <laughs> issue is I, I, I am a control freak. Like, I will put that out there like any day. Like, I really feel the need to be in control of all the things. And you just can't when you're an entrepreneur. There are things that happen that are out of your control, and they probably happen more frequently than I would like. Um, but you just can't control everything. And when you, especially if you want to grow a business that scales, you can't do all the things yourself. Um, and so that's been something that I have really struggled with and am constantly working on, um, figuring out, you know, I, I have a small team of people that I work with, um, or that I outsource parts of my business to and having to give up control over certain things and understanding that, you know, there are things that other people can do way better than I can. Like I'm, I'm not a graphic designer. I don't, you know, like I know how to make basic graphics in Photoshop or Canva, but I am not a designer. So for me, giving up control over the things that I know are not my area of expertise um, has been difficult, but also the types of things that have really allowed me to focus on the things that I do do well. Yeah, absolutely. Letting go of control and outsourcing and outsourcing something that may look or um, feel a little different than you would create it, but you know it's for the greater good of your business is so hard. It really, it really has been. And like, I, when I like talk about it out loud, I'm like, that seems silly, but like, but it is like internally, there's such a struggle to, to be able to, you know, just say like, let it go, let someone else take control over this thing and, and trust that it'll all work out. Absolutely. So would you have any tips or advice for a female entrepreneur starting out or in the middle of streamlining and refining their business? What would you have to say to them? Because we have so many women across the board who listen each and every week, and I know they are always eager for a little advice in that department. So I would say when you're starting out, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all the things, by doing all the things, by listening to all the people. Um, And a lot of the times you get conflicting advice and (laughs) you get told that, you know, you should, you should be on YouTube or you should have a podcast or you should be on Instagram 10 times a day, whatever, whatever it is, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people telling you, you should do all these things. Um, And I think it's really important in the beginning to not get overwhelmed by all the things and to focus on finding the two or three things that you can do on a regular, consistent basis that'll help you move forward. Um, Because I know that once you start getting into, you know, I should do this and that and being pulled in so many different directions, it's really hard to get traction. It's really hard to move forward if you can't focus on, you know, just a few things that you're doing on a regular basis that are actually moving you. Oh, girl, I feel you on that. I mean, doing all the things. And it's kind of like with every new level you graduate to, like you, you kind of conquer one season and one lesson, you have to relearn it in the next. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that, you know, as you scale your business, focusing 
on your priorities becomes so much like not even more important because I think they're always important but it's sort of I think in the beginning of a lot of people's business it's it's like feast or famine or it's like you know I just want this thing to work and then once that's working it almost becomes more complicated because you don't want to mess with something that works but you also want to grow it so figuring out like what are the things that are really driving your revenue um you know is it your community is it your email list is it where are you spending time that's really making a difference and how can you put more effort into those things Um, and sometimes that means you know spending less time on other things or outsourcing or automating whatever it is Um, and scaling your business I think a lot of times you have to make the difficult decisions as to where you really want to focus your time and, and set your priorities so that you can grow the business that you want. Absolutely, girl. I am so with you. And have you found, you know, one thing I commonly chat about with female entrepreneurs is um, that in the beginning, there is hustle. That is part of part of starting anything. But then you get to a place where you realize, I can't live like this forever. How do I set some systems in place? How do I create the life I got in this got in this for in the first place. You know, how do I actually create a non 80 hour work week life? Have you found that to be true for you? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's really the path that led me to where I am today. When I first started my marketing consulting business and I had these courses and I had, I was doing all this stuff and I was, I was making good money, but I was working a lot. And I felt, I think, I guess it was the end of 2000, uh, 16, I was just completely burnt out. I was, I was doing all these things and I felt like I was always like launching something new or creating something new. And I knew that I couldn't keep doing this. And like more than I couldn't, couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. I was like, what's the point in like having my own business if it's like running my life? And so 2017 was really my year of streamlining. I, I got rid of the consulting. I got rid of the courses. Um, I got rid of some of the digital products that I was selling. And I was like, I think that I want to go all in on photography. And that's kind of how I accidentally became a photographer. I just realized like, this is the thing that, that makes me happy, that I enjoy doing, that people will pay me for. Yeah. I'm going to stop doing all this other stuff, even though I'm earning money from it. It wasn't that it wasn't working. (laughs) It was just my decision to say, like, I think that my time is going to be best spent if I focus on this one thing or this one aspect of my business and kind of go all in on that. And what that has allowed for me to do is really... So I I say that I spent a lot of time streamlining last year and I I stopped doing a lot of things. I stopped spending time in Facebook groups. I stopped blogging regularly. I stopped working with clients one-on-one. And I was just like, I'm going to focus on my membership. And I realized that once I stopped doing all these things that were actually making money at the time, I started making even more. And I think that for me, it just became like a a very intense focus on one thing um, and putting all the other things like to the side and just saying like, hey, I'm going to go all in on this. I'm going to put all my time and energy on this. And because it was something that was a recurring income stream where I really didn't have to you know, be present all the time, um, I'm able to now, I essentially, I have three businesses that I run working three weeks a month. And then I take one week off every month intentionally to just breathe. 
Oh, I love it. I cleared my entire schedule last week in order to create. I didn't really take off, but I had no meetings. And I, I, I kind of came to terms with, I think I'm going to do this every month. How did that simple change in your business, which... When I say simple, it, it I mean simple in the sense that it sounds simple. It actually is hard to create space. Um, how did that change the game for you? So it, it kind of happened accidentally. And I would say, um, I guess in August of last year, I had a trip planned um, with my dog, Mochi. She had a collaboration with the Ritz-Carlton in Puerto Rico. And I it came up like out of nowhere. Um, like 10 days before they were like, Hey, do you want to come on this press trip? And I was like, sure, I can make that happen. Um, like if I find my own boss, like there's no reason that I can't make this happen, even though I had things that I was doing in my business, um, that I had kind of planned on the calendar. My thought was like, okay, how do I make this happen? And for me, it was sort of an intentional shift to say, if I need to get these things done in a smaller time period, what do I need to do? Like, how do I need to prioritize my life? Um, What sort of things can I either stop doing or outsource or automate so that I can create space in my life and in my business to not have to work all the time Um, so that I could go on this trip (laughs) is really how it started. And so I realized that, you know, there are certain things that I was doing that were taking longer than they need to. And I also kind of tried to figure out, like, where are the things in my business that I can batch so that I'm not constantly doing one thing and then doing another and having to kind of shift back and forth between different things. So what's worked for me, um, and it's kind of developed over the last six months or so, is I essentially batch my weeks um, into three main priorities or things that I do in my business. So I have what I call my CEO week which is when I do all my planning. Um, I plan the collections for the Stout Stock Society. I plan kind of the bigger picture things in my business. I go over tons of different spreadsheets and reports and analytics to figure out what's working, what's not working. Um, Kind of all the behind the scenes, big picture things in my business. I have one week a month where I dedicate to all of that. Wow, I love that. (laughs) And then um, the second week is my content creation week. So it's the week that I'm actually shooting and styling and editing all the photos for um, Stout Stock Society for my clients. I also batch a ton of photos for, um, so I kind of mentioned my dog Mochi. She has an Instagram account where we are constantly posting photos, but she also has a website and a blog. Um, and so I try to figure out like how to batch as much of that content as well. And I kind of have my just batch week for content creation. And a lot of times it overlaps. So for example, now, um, it's spring and so like Easter content, um, I'm creating a lot um, a kind of across the board, whether it's like pastel flat lays for the Styled Stock Society or I have spring theme shoots for a couple clients. Um, and then it makes sense that, you know, I already have all these props and things out that, you know, I'll just throw mochi in the mix and <laughs> have some Easter and spring themed photos for mochi as well. So but thinking about like, how can I maximize the time that I'm spending to get as much work done as possible. And for me, that's like kind of batching similar tasks all at the same time. Um, and, and streamlining all the processes around that too. So I have my CEO week, I have my content creation week, and then I have a marketing week where I 
essentially batch all my marketing tasks. So um, I'll spend time on emails or blog posts or um, podcast interviews. <laughs> I have three today because <laughs> that's kind of how I figure, you know, if I'm going to get in the mode to do something, I'm going to not just do it once, but do it a couple times or you know, as much as I can um, in a given time period, because I'm in that mode and it helps me to not have to switch between different types of tasks. I love it. Batching like with like tasks has been a game changer for me. I'm really just now starting to implement it. Um, but I, you know, I, I keep Monday and Fridays for content creation days and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays for calls. And then I think I'm about to reorganize even that to podcast days and coaching days. It really changes the game. So I love your strategy and I think it's so practical for our listeners and, and really and truly helpful. So I would love for you to chat about Mochi because you have a dog with an Instagram account of 103,000 followers. So tell me more. Yeah, so Mochi is three years old. She is a little Malty-poo, and she has an Instagram basically because when we got her, I started taking a ton of pictures, and I didn't want to annoy my Instagram followers with pictures of my dog constantly, <laughs> even though I do post some pictures of her still online. I knew that I was going to be annoying. So I started an account for her, and then I realized quickly, like within – maybe a month or so that she ended up with more followers than I did. Um, so that was accidental. I didn't start out trying to make her famous or anything. I just wanted a different place to share her photos. And I guess about a year into her account, she had 10 to 15,000 uh, followers and Brands started reaching out, wanting to know if they could send us products or pay her for promotion. And I was like, huh, I guess this is the thing. I knew there was like other famous dogs on Instagram, but I never really thought about like making my dog famous or thought about like kind of more strategically from a brand perspective, like what is Mochi's brand? Um, so around 10 to 15,000 followers, I thought like, what if I applied all the things that I was doing um, with my clients and my marketing business and kind of got more strategic about growing Mochi's account. And so we went from 15,000 to 30,000 followers in two months um, and then have just basically grown from there. So she is a dog model, an influencer. She does appearances. Um, she travels a lot in terms of um, working with different brands and partnerships. Um, she actually has a manager and <laughs> her own business and website. Um, that is amazing. It's, it's really um, quite a ride. I think that I, I never really thought that this would be my life. Um, it happens <laughs> to work out that, you know, my business is, is styling and photography and creating content. And so they're related, but, you know, kind of separate. So I still feel like, her part of my business is like a creative outlet and it's it's fun and it's something that you know I don't have to do to pay the bills but um allows me to kind of work with brands and create content in a way that I wouldn't necessarily do you know for my clients or for my members of the Stock Stock Society so it's a lot of fun I absolutely love it. I think it is such a blast and so um what would you say has been surprising about running an Instagram account where your dog is famous. You know, 
Uh, I ob- obviously, like you said, you never expected to live this life, but I'm sure there's a whole world. Of, I, I know a little bit of the influencer world, but what is different about the dog influencer world? So I think the biggest, the biggest difference is obviously she is a dog and doesn't have her own voice. And so I think like by default, like her voice is kind of my voice. And I used to joke that I, I'm living vicariously through my dog and I, you know, I, I make up this voice and in my head, like Mochi's a like 20 something millennial girl. She's kind of like the girl next door um, who has like that it factor. So she, she's, she may be a little like prettier than you and her life's a little more interesting than you, but she's so sweet. You like, can't help but like her. And so I like, I made up this Mochi persona because she, I mean, she has a personality, but Mochi's personality as a person is sort of like this made up thing. And I, I think it's really funny sometimes when people like feel like they connect with her and they, they like really relate <laughs> to her as like, like on a personal level. Cause I'm like, she's a dog and it's kind of a made up thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like the feelings that I have, you know, like when I'm complaining about like Monday and, and how I just want to lay in bed and it's a pochi picture of Mochi in bed. Um, and people are like, Oh my God, I feel you. And it's like, well, you, she's just a dog who naps a lot. Like she, she, she doesn't know that it's Monday. Um, but it's the certain things that people relate to. And it's always funny. Um, I didn't really think about, you know, at first, like being the voice emotion, literally, I, I think it's probably six months ago or so. Um, we were invited to entrepreneur, the entrepreneur offices in New York to record some videos, um, giving social media tips. And I thought about it and I was like, Oh wait, that means me. That means you want tips from me, not my dog. Because I think the article was, you know, social media tips from dogs who have more followers than you do, but my dog can't speak. So (laughs) becoming the literal voice of my dog has been interesting just because it, it kind of forces me to stop hiding behind her, um, as a persona and actually speak. And it's really interesting to see like how people handle that. Um, I think, I think the actual like title that they gave me was like human to Moshi in the city. Like that's my role. (laughs) I am her human. Um, and we did a, um, a red carpet event with BuzzFeed last year, maybe it was two years ago, where they were interviewing her on the red carpet. So they asked questions like Mochi, who are you wearing? Or like, how long did it take you to get ready today? And I was like, she can't talk. Like, do they want me to answer for my dog? And it's a really, really awkward interview. You can find it on the internet. (laughs) Um, But the person who's asking the questions actually answered them for Mochi also. So I'm literally being videotaped on a red carpet holding my dog while someone asks questions to the dog and also answers the questions (laughs) as the dog. Uh, That is so awesome. I cannot wait to find this video. I will link it in the show notes. So, so experiences like that. I mean, how do you feel in those moments? Like my life is crazy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But really, there there are moments where I'm just like, is is this is this for real? Is this is this for real? Um, 
And it is. And I, I think there's some parts of it that are just fun because who doesn't love dogs? I mean, I know you have a dog and I'm sure a lot of people listening have dogs too. And they just bring so much joy to our life. But on the flip side and not to to make it, you know, super serious because to me it really is is fun and a creative outlet. But the idea that we are very connected to our pets and that we love them. And for me, um, I, I treat Mochi like a member of my family. She's not just a dog. So that connection that we have to our pets, um, I think, is something that really resonates with a lot of people. And from a marketing standpoint, it really makes sense to use animal influencers in marketing. Um, there's lots of things that, you know, it's obviously obvious to have a dog um, promote dog food or, you know, dog toys or things like that. But most of our partnerships have actually been with non-pet related brands. So they've been um, with fashion or travel or lifestyle companies that are working with pet influencers to grow their audience or to um, to build brand awareness because so many people have that personal connection to their pet. So for example, um, we've done a few different travel um, partnerships and it's always at dog-friendly hotels. They're hotels that really cater to people who are going to be traveling with their dogs and they want to know that there are dog-friendly amenities. Is there a bed for my dog? Um, can I take my dog to the beach? Can can I eat with my dog? Uh, because people don't want to leave their dogs at home all the time. And, and it's nice to know that I, I get really excited when, when we go on these trips. And obviously, it's very fun for us. But then when I get the feedback from people who are like, I just booked a trip to Aruba because I saw Mochi went to Aruba. And I want to take my dog to Aruba because it looks like a lot of fun. And I'm like, that's so awesome. Like, I'm, I'm happy that you found a place that is pet friendly that you can go on vacation with your dog. Like my, my job is awesome that I get to like connect you <laughs> with the different brands that'll help you, um, you know, live the best life that you can with your dog. Yeah. I think that is such a blast and it's so true. I absolutely treat my dog like a family member and she came in a season of my life that I really needed that companionship. So she, I say all the time that my dog changed my life and I am totally the weirdo I used to make fun of. And so um, I, I love that you get to um, embody that and really, really create joy for people and be a part of collaborations that um, just makes people smile. So I love it. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. I don't like anytime I see a commercial with dogs on TV, like you, you're like, ah, like, <laughs> like if you, people, you know, you make the squealing noise and you're like, you remember them because, because there's like a cute dog and it seems so silly to think about, but like how many commercials can you remember that like didn't have a dog in them? <laughs> and then, and then the ones that have the cute dogs, it's just something that people really connect with. And I, I love that more brands are really starting to recognize that and, and actually seeing that, you know, there is not just money to be made, but there's a real emotional response that people have to, to animals. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. So, you know, I definitely want to, you know, leave our listeners with some inspiration from some of your favorite things, what you've learned along the way. 
Um, what are some of your favorite things that have transformed your business right now? It could be a book, a podcast, what your music, if that's like really helping you get grounded, what is inspiring you in your journey? So I think the thing that has probably inspired me more than anything else are the other people that I've met. I'm fortunate to have a real solid group of of business buddies, mastermind buddies, who are all doing very different things in their businesses. And I think that having, um, having that support group and having people that you can kind of bounce ideas off of and get feedback from, and just seeing the different things that they're doing in their businesses and how, even though it's something like completely unrelated, could relate to your business as well. One of my um, my like mastermind buddies, who's actually happens to be my PR strategist as well, has been doing a series um, of podcasts on like visibility and like pitching to the media and developing relationships with journalists and things like that. But I think one of the things that I found like really interesting about the content that she is creating is that she has a podcast of herself or of her own that's sort of unrelated to that but um it's it's about people's day in the life which i think is really interesting because you see the perspective of it's not just female entrepreneurs it's people who have you know regular nine to five jobs and people who are stay-at-home moms just all sorts of different people across different walks of life and the format is the same it's like what's like a typical day in your life is but it's been really eye-opening to see all the sorts of different people and and what their lives are like because I think it's really easy as someone who works from home and, you know, isn't, isn't out in real life a lot of the time, to be honest, um, to, to kind of get stuck in the bubble and forget that there are other people out there that aren't doing the same thing that you are on a regular basis. And, you know, they're not on Instagram and Pinterest all the time, or they're not like worried about their email open rates and conversions and things like that. There are people who have so many other things going on that, that could be potential clients and customers, but they're also just people out in the world that have such different lives and experiences that that you can learn from and also relate to. Yep. Yeah, that I mean, for me, that's been such a good reminder because it's so easy to get caught up in, um, and my listeners probably hear me talking about this all the time right now, um, specifically, but it's really easy to get caught up in all the funnels that are targeted perfectly towards us that tells us to do all the things. And you're right, it is nice to be around people doing different things, but who still get it so that you can remember, I don't have to do every single thing that is suggested to me in order to be successful and people's worlds are still going round if they don't pin enough or if they don't tweet enough or run Facebook ads every second. It's just a good reminder. Exactly. And I think, I think, you know, it's, it's easy to forget that that there, there's stuff in the world outside of our businesses and the things that we get stuck on. Um, but I think for, for sanity and just, um, you know, to, to be, people and not robots you have to remember that there's more to life than than just what we're working on I so I couldn't agree more so tell our listeners where they can find you where they can find Styled Stock Society and of course Mochi as well because I know they're going to want to keep up we will link it all up in the show notes but I would love for them to be able to kind of hear everywhere they can find you sure so you can find me um at ldruin.com it's 
E-L-E-D-R-O-U-I-N.com. And also on all social media as Eldruin. And um, Styled Stock Society is styledstocksociety.com. And Mochi is on Instagram at Mochi and the City. I love it. I am a fan and a follower. And so I am so thankful to have had you on today and get to connect, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. money. Sometimes it's hard to make it all add up. Thankfully, as part of your Microsoft 365 subscription, Money in Excel makes managing your finances a bit easier. Keep track of all your accounts in one place to help reach your financial goals. See how much you spent online last week. Set up a personalized budget. Get alerts about due payments and save for a rainy day as you stay on top of it all with Money in Excel. Buy now at Microsoft365.com budget. Save your most important documents, videos, and photos in the cloud. With a Microsoft 365 subscription, you get a full terabyte of secure OneDrive storage that you can access across all your devices. As part of your subscription, you get the added benefit of additional OneDrive personal vault storage. Using a second set of identity verification, this gives you an extra layer of protection for your most important and private files. Buy now at Microsoft365.com memories.